Hello once again, this is me, Idiot Logan, and I still cannot figure out how to fade audio on GarageBand. So if you could know, if you know someone that could help me out, I'd greatly appreciate it. But today's episode, we will look at the Henry Ruggs situation. We'll look at some quotes around the situation. We'll look at some possible quarterback changes that might be needed. Some previews around the NFL and college football, why you should watch Liberty vs. Ole Miss and the offensive powerhouse known as Iowa and Northwestern and recap the Jack Eichel trade. Please enjoy the episode. Hello, one and all, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And we have a fun one for you today. But before we get into the fun stuff today, we had yet another week of nonsense from the world of sports. This is back-to-back weeks of things breaking. So last week, we had the unfortunate events of the Chicago Blackhawks incident, which we went over last Friday. If you want to go back and listen to that show, you can. We talked about what Kyle Beach went through for the most part and talked about how the Blackhawks players, management, coaches, whatever, dealt with the situation. But on a lighter note for that story anyways, we kind of got an update about that. Brad Aldridge, who was the one who committed these offenses against Kyle Beach in Chicago, got his name X'd off the Stanley Cup and not like a line that like there's X's over every single letter in his name, which I guess is cool. But <laughs> I mean, there, there it is. The Blackhawks have done it. They have rectified themselves and now are a class organization yet again. And now the Blackhawks are back and we can feel good about everything. But yeah, that was something that just happened this past week. That's not really the nonsense thing I was talking about. But the Henry frickin' Ruggs situation. Good lord. Like, what is this whole situation? When did this happen? Like, Tuesday at night? And then we're talking about it. I don't even know. It happened Monday night. Because I remember thinking about it on Tuesday when we were recording a show. And didn't even think about it. I don't know why. It just went right over my head. But we have had new developments in this story that have made it, like, a billion times worse than what it already was. And I shouldn't laugh. But it's just, it's a a nervous laugh thing. Because this thing is freaking ridiculous. Like, I don't know if anybody else has seen I mean, I'd be shocked if you haven't seen any of you. Even if you don't follow sports that religiously, I would think this would have popped up on social media for everybody, regardless of whether you watch the Las Vegas Raiders, watch the NFL, or watch, again, sports in general. But here are some of the details that came out. So for those of you who don't know, just a quick recap, Henry Ruggs got in a car accident, to say the least, on, what was it, Monday night into Tuesday morning, and he's very drunk, drunk driving incident, and a young woman was killed in the accident as well. That was bad enough, and then we hear more about what's going on in this whole situation. So here's a thing that I saw on Twitter. This is the first thing I saw about the official uh, report, I guess you can call it. Former, and then he got cut. I mean, unsurprisingly, I mean, the least surprising thing I saw on Twitter on Tuesday or Wednesday was the fact that he got cut from the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, if he didn't, I would have been absolutely flabbergasted by the entire situation. But former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs is accused of driving 156 miles an hour seconds before the crash. He was at 127 when the airbags deployed. His blood alcohol level was at .161, which is more than twice the legal limit, and a loaded gun was found in his car. This is an insane, insane situation. I liked Henry Ruggs coming out of Alabama. I liked his speed that he had. It's really explosive. You saw that numerous times this season for the Raiders. And the fact when he came out of the out of Alabama, 
He had like no one to zero drops in his college career at Alabama. Now, he wasn't getting the same number of catches that like Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith were getting at that time, but the fact that you have zero drops is pretty damn impressive, is it not? Like, I get you don't have, again, you're not getting the number of reps or number of throws that these guys are getting, the other two people that we mentioned. Obviously, Jalen Waddle was there as well, but it was the Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. Like, these are the guys that are going to get the most catches in this team. But Ruggs now, it, I'd be shocked, really, but not, like, well, I shouldn't say shocked, because there is part of me that's like, I wouldn't really be surprised if he was let back in the NFL at some point down the road. Like, we've seen this happen, not to this extent, but we've seen players do terrible things and then get put back into the NFL like nothing really happened. Like, you know what I'm talking about? You'll usually see this with, you'll see this in a lot of sports, and I guess it's not just football, of players doing something bad, bails posted, which Henry Ruggs made bail, but you see these players do this, and then it's just like a slap on the wrist and keep it moving. And like over in Spain, in La Liga, you have multiple players get caught for tax evasion. And not one of them has served any jail time. It's always a suspended prison sentence. That's the only thing you ever get from these situations, which ultimately means they're never going to serve a second behind bars for anything. I remember a few years ago, it was for the Copa America. I don't remember how long ago it was. It was the year Chile won it, the first time they won it, down in Chile. Arturo Vidal, who is one of the greatest Chilean footballers of all time, got in a drunk driving accident down there. And drunk driving in Chile is an insane fine. Regardless if you get in a kill anybody or not, like Henry Ruggs did, he got in an accident. Cra- I believe he crashed into a tree. Blood alcohol level through the frickin' roof, as, you know, these situations always are. And he got nothing. I, he played, like, two days later after he got arrested <laughs> for drunk driving. Like, it's, no la- like it's, it's not a laughing matter, but it's kind of like, what the hell is going through people's minds when this happens? Like, especially now, where you have all these opportunities to call an Uber or text an Uber or order an Uber or a Lyft, whatever, and you still decide, I'm going to get behind my wheel of my car and drive down the street. And from what I've seen on Twitter from people that live in the Las Vegas area, it is damn near impossible to go that fast on the road he was speeding on and eventually got in the wreck. Like, how, what is going through his mind? Well, obviously nothing. He's at, I guess he was at Top Golf. That day with his girlfriend, uh, obviously had a lot to drink that night. But come on, you should know if you're that drunk, if that plastered, you can or you should be in the mindset to go, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't freaking drive. And then now we have a young woman who's now dead. Her dog was also dead as well, is dead, not was dead, is dead, and got in the car accident. And apparently she didn't die on impact, but the car burst into flames and pretty much exploded from what the looks of it is, and that's where she eventually lost her life. And then, it's just crazy. It's just an overall crazy, crazy, crazy situation. This was one of the best young receivers in the NFL. I'm not saying he was going to be an amazing football player in the, as the years went on, but he is a very nice young wide receiver in the NFL in his second year. Didn't have an insane rookie year last year. Has had it almost better numbers through this point of the season than he had his entire rookie season last year. And now it's all out the window. I don't know what kind of jail sentence he does because the, the jail time in Las Vegas or in Nevada, I don't know if it's Las Vegas or Nevada in general. It's like 20 to 22 year prison sentence 
for drunk driving and injuring someone, let alone killing somebody. And he got two counts there because he killed the dog as well. But since there's the whole famous player aspect to it, what does the sentence look like? And it's probably going to be a whole lot less than what it probably should be, at least one would suspect. The thing that's going to not keep this from happening, Henry Ruggs is in his second year, and like we said, is on the up, but he's not a top-tier wide receiver. He's on the up, he's a nice wide receiver, fast player, but he's not a top, top guy. So maybe that will keep this under wraps, I guess you could say where he'll get an actual legit prison sentence, not on the slap on the wrist, here's a prison, year prison sentence to go back to the NFL and the Cowboys in a few years, or, or the Chiefs or wherever Andy Reid's coaching at the time. Those are the only two options here. But man, 22 years old. He's younger than me. And now everything is just done. And I saw, I think it was Kadarius Tony on Twitter defending him, and I get... There's two aspects to that. I understand you guys are friends, but you can't go, we all make mistakes. We all don't go drunk driving and kill somebody driving 156 miles an hour. A mistake is doing something like, oh, I made fun of a friend too hard. Oh, yeah, that's a little bit of a mistake there. A mistake is not jumping behind the wheel of a car when you're twice above twice the legal limit drunk. <laughs> that's not a mistake. I have not done that. I don't think anybody I've known has ever done that. So you can't say we all make mistakes and then put that on the same level as that. Because that's like murdering somebody and go, oh, we all make mistakes. No, you don't. Not all of us murder people. Now, I'm not saying it's obvious Henry Ruggs did not go out with this intent to kill somebody. But he didn't do anything to prevent it either. All he had to do was download an Uber app and call it up. Now, I will. this is what I will say about defending Henry Ruggs, I guess, to a certain extent. Derek Carr had a very nice quote about this. They interviewed, or they, he was talking to the media about it, and I guess Henry Ruggs took a video of him playing at Top Golf and sent it to Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro, another wide receiver on the Raiders, for those of you unaware, and said, how's my golf swing? At like midnight or something. And then I, when you get those texts, like, ah, oh, LOL, it's doing, it's looking good. That's usually what you said. You don't expect things to come over like this. And I saw a lot of people going, oh, Derek Carr should have done more with this situation. He got a text of a golf swing, and I don't think he went, oh, this dude's a, a .161 blood alcohol level and is going to drive 156 miles an hour and kill somebody. I don't think that was in his mind at all. But Derek Carr, what he did say, which is what I agree with, is the fact that Henry Ruggs needs to be loved at this point in time. He's in a going to be in a very, very dark place. He just got cut from the NFL, from the Raiders, and hope, probably the NFL as well, but time will tell on that. He was a former first-round first draft pick. I think he was drafted 12th overall. He's the first wide receiver taken in the 2020 NFL draft. He was one of the top young receivers in the league. Top young ones is the difference between being a top young receiver and a top, top receiver in the NFL, okay? And then now all of it's gone because of a dumbass decision he made. But hey, I respect Derek Carr for that. I've never said anything bad about Derek Carr as the leader. Now, this does not make Derek Carr an elite quarterback, Kevin. I will tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But I love that he said this. I think everybody out there has somewhat respect for Derek Carr, at least to a certain extent. I know if you're like a, 
a Chiefs or Broncos or Chargers fan, you're like, oh, I hate that guy. But you have to respect him on the leadership aspect because he is a really good leader. I never understood the things that Derek Carr is going to leave the Raiders or they're always trying to replace Derek Carr. And once he leaves, he's going to be a backup somewhere. I never understood that whatsoever. We talked about that about 100 times in the show because every single offseason, it was like the Raiders are trying to replace Derek Carr. Why? He's not a bad quarterback. Why is there this narrative out there that Derek Carr is bad and that if he left the Raiders to be a backup? No. He's not that. He's not elite either, but he's in the he's in the upper the upper half of the NFL in regards to starting quarterbacks easily. He'd start for over over half of the NFL teams in the in the league, apart from like you know the obvious ones like the teams with the very good young quarterbacks that we that we're seeing all the time right now. Like we got the Bills, got the Cardinals, Packers, Chiefs, like these the Ravens, all these types of teams. He's not going to start for those guys, obviously, but. For most teams, would he start for the Dolphins? Yeah. Patriots? Yeah. Jets? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Mike White's there. Would he start for the Giants? Yeah. He'd start for most teams in the NFL. He's not elite. His leadership, though, I would say it's elite. And I like that he said that because it's true. Because things get caught up in the moment like this of, I hate this guy. Oh, this guy, he makes me so mad. Why would you do something? That's right. You can say that 100%. And it's warranted. It's not like it's unwarranted to say that. But there is also a part of Henry Ruggs needs to know he made the mistake, but also have people behind him, I guess. Because you don't want to go down a dark place, then look back and you see no one behind you. It's nothing but darkness behind you. just going to keep getting darker and darker until you can't get out of it. So that's why Derek Carr sang this was huge in regards to not only Henry Ruggs, but for people out there that struggle. Not with this extent, because again, we all don't do this. We do all make mistakes. We all don't do that large of a mistake, if you get what I'm saying here. And Stefan Diggs talked about it the other day, about check up on your mentals. That's what everybody should be doing. I know it's not, it's not, a, not a good situation whatsoever, but... Check up on people. They might not be driving 156 miles an hour down a road and kill somebody, but everybody needs to be checked up on every once in a while. Mental health is very important. You saw uh, Calvin Ridley step away from the NFL for a little bit this past weekend, so hope everything gets sorted out with him. And if it does lead him to not being in the NFL anymore, but if that's where he's happy, then so be it. If whatever, do whatever makes you happy. Like, if you don't love being in the NFL anymore, then step away for a little bit until you realize what you loved. And then once you discover that again, go back to the NFL because Calvin Ridley is one of the best young receivers in the NFL. So I just hope that he finds whatever he's looking for because it's very important to reflect on that kind of stuff and take a step back and go, and settle down a little bit. So yeah, there's just a lot of stuff going on around that situation in the NFL. I hope that Henry Ruggs doesn't uh, do anything to a certain extent. That's all I'm going to say about that while he's in prison. I hope people are still behind him to a certain extent. I hope that he doesn't drift away farther because it's in a great situation. But I hope he learned. From, well, I, I mean, I you would obviously say he'd, he'd learn from the situation, but I hope he does, because some people do these types of things and don't learn from it. There are people like that out there that don't learn from these situations. I hope he does that, and I hope 
that Derek Carr and other players are behind him because you don't want things to get darker, like I said earlier. So with that being said, let's move on from this situation and talk about just the NFL this weekend in general. We got a lot of games going on this weekend, starting off with the Jets and the Colts. And we kind of touched on this on Wednesday's show, the whole Mike White versus Zach Wilson type thing. And though Mike White had an amazing game on Sunday, Mike White is the first 400-yard passer in the past like 20 years or so for the New York Jets. Vinny Testaverde was the last quarterback to do that for the Jets. Everybody's on the Mike White hype train at this point in time. But here's the thing, is the Jets spent a number two overall pick this year on Zach Wilson. I know we compared it to the Brady and Bloodsoat thing, where Brady, uh, pick 199, eventually dethrones number overall, no number one overall pick Drew Bloodsoe. The difference is Bloodsoe was a starter for like six years at that point. It wasn't like, oh, we just drafted him. Oh, he got hurt. Oh, now Brady's in. It wasn't like that. It was a gradual thing. Bloodsoe's play post-Super Bowl when they lost the Packers started drifting down a little bit, and the likelihood that Brady would upseat him looked more and more likely. Zach Wilson getting hurt. Zach Wilson not playing that well to this point. I think Zach Wilson's going to get this job back. Because there is a lot riding on Zach Wilson. You're the number two overall pick. If he's going to lose this job, it's going to be because he starts to be atrocious. He's not going to lose his job due to an injury. At least I don't think it would be like that. But here's the thing. Robert Sala is the type of guy that I think would go, what quarterback gets me the chance to win? But the problem is, with that type of thinking, ultimately for quarterbacks, (laughs) the coach doesn't usually always make the choice. Whoever the GM at the time drafted, which is Zach Wilson, that's usually who the quarterback's going to be. Whoever the owner, GM, whatever, if they bought this quarterback, brought this quarterback in to be the guy, you can't, you're not going to pull him like that. Just won't happen. We've talked about the Doug Flutie situation in Buffalo with Rob Johnson. The Bills brought in Rob Johnson. Flutie was supposed to be the backup. Johnson gets hurt against the Chargers. Flutie comes in and he takes the starting job for good until. They start Rob Johnson in the playoff game against the Titans, you know, the Music City Miracle game, and that's the story, because the reason that they brought in Johnson was he was supposed to be the guy, they hadn't seen anything from him, so they're like, well, let's play him in the playoff game. He played in the last game of the regular season against the Colts, played well, meaningless game in the grand scheme of things, went to Tennessee, they lost, and Rob Johnson played bad. Played pretty bad that game. If they played Doug Flutie, they probably would have won the game. But you know who made the call? Not Wade Phillips, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills at the time. No, it was Ralph Wilson, the owner of the Buffalo Bills, that made the call. We spent a lot of money on this guy. He's going to play. Even though Doug Flutie was a pro bowler, Doug Flutie got them to that point. But it didn't matter because Rob Johnson was getting paid all the money. If Zach Wilson had gone multiple years and not been good or his play had decreased gradually over time, then yeah, I would imagine that that game would be something that you see a Mike White being the forever starter for the New York Jets. The reality is it's probably not going to happen, at least at this point in time. Okay? You can't come out and do the Josh Allen comparison, which we kind of laughed about it a little bit a few weeks ago, 
and then just bench him altogether. Like they brought in Joe Flacco from the Jet or from the Eagles because they didn't know what Mike White was gonna do. Mike White's kind of bounced he's not bounced around the league, but he's been around the league for a little bit now. I think four years in the NFL. Zach Wilson was about to play his seventh game, I believe. Yeah, seventh game. The Jets are two and five right now. So that was gonna be a seventh start. This was Mike White's first ever start, so you could use that against me as well. You can go, well, Logan, Zach Wilson's already started games, and he stunk. Mike White has never started and looked great. Now then we could go with the whole thing. The Bengals blowing their load again against the Ravens and kind of overlooking the Jets, but Mike White played. I'm not going to take anything away from Mike White. I don't want this to sound like, oh, Mike White sucks. Zach Wilson's easily the best quarterback the Jets have, like a 1,000% the best quarterback, and I like Zach Wilson. I think Zach, we defended Zach Wilson quite a bit during the draft about how people coming for his character that, you know, are doing the, I'm not going to say who I am, but your character stinks because that shows me having high character. And then we saw Mike White talking post-game during the game, after the game, the Jets-Bengals game, and saying how much Zach Wilson was texting him and how genuine Zach Wilson is, which proves the point that those guys are pussies and <laughs> liars as well. Just because he's rich. You know, uh, he's got his guns for money. He comes for money. So you know what that means? Automatically means asshole. That's what that means. But it wasn't true. Like, oh, he wasn't voted captain. Oh, we have teammates defending him on Twitter that he was voted captain. I mean, the C on his chest, they just put that on there for anybody. That doesn't actually stand for captain. I believe that's what Joel Klatt said. Like, the C on his chest, oh, that wasn't actually for captain. What, what the hell is it for? They didn't just give him the number one jersey. Oh, well, the C's already on there. We can't take it off. I just don't care. I guess you can have it. No, you get voted for that. And you just go, hey, here's a jersey with a C on it. Don't want to take it off. <laughs> Maybe they did. From what it sounded like during the draft process, that's what pretty much happened. And then Zach Wilson gets voted captain for the Jets in his you know, first ever season in the NFL. So, yeah, I think Zach Wilson's kind of an ass and dickhead. That's what I would just say. That's what I took away from the whole situation. But, no, in reality, or just in joking, jokes aside, Zach Wilson, I think, will have a nice career in the NFL. I think. I know that was the easy bust candidate for the draft. Like, everybody out there is like, oh, Zach Wilson's going to bust because of more of not really what Zach Wilson had done. It was more of the fact that we like Justin Fields more which is kind of a stupid way to hate on somebody just because you like someone more. That means by that logic, the other person has to suck. If they don't, well, then that sucks, doesn't it? And you have to live on that like Zach Wilson sucks, Zach Wilson sucks, Zach Wilson sucks. Well, he really doesn't. He's just playing for a bad team and had a good week this week for Mike White. But I'm excited to see how this develops. Quarterback controversies are always interesting because... It, you never really know what's going to happen. You never know. You never really know. You like to think you know, but you don't. Now, if I'm sitting with the Jets are sitting right now, and I'm going off of past things that have happened in the NFL in regards to quarterback situations in regards to quarterback stock, the guy who was drafted highest will usually start more. Usually. There's obviously odd cases in that. But Zach Wilson was just drafted. Do you think they're going to move on from him like that after one game? I really doubt it. It could happen. I'm not saying it's a 0% chance it happens, but that it's very unlikely. Let's just call it like that. They're giving him a lot of money, used a high draft pick on him. This isn't like the MLB 
where you can just go, oh, well, this guy didn't end up doing anything, so you know it will give you a first-round pick. Because the Astros got that, I believe. They, they had a pitcher that didn't sign for them ever. He was the pick right before Chris Bryant, never signed for him. And then uh, they got rewarded a second overall pick and got, I believe, Alex Bregman for the trouble. So, yeah, it all worked out for them in the end. But they don't do that in football. So, like, with that whole situation, let's look at other situations around the NFL and see what the chances are, I guess, of a starting quarterback being benched at some point or getting replaced in the offseason, midseason, whatever. So, like, we'll start with the AFC East. There's only one team that we haven't talked about here that really has a quarterback, quote-unquote, controversy, and that's the Dolphins. And we've talked about this before. The Dolphins have a whole hell of a lot more issues on their team than Deshaun Watson. Like, that, Deshaun Watson would come into the Dolphins and... What would happen? You lost all your draft picks. Deshaun Watson had a career year on a Texans team that went 4-12. and This Dolphins team is like last or in the bottom three in every single defensive category. Deshaun Watson does not help you with that. And the amount of blame that gets placed on Tua is kind of ridiculous. Like, it's the same thing that kind of happened to a certain extent to Trubisky. Now everybody's not calling Tua a bust really at this point. But you see the guy that was drafted right behind him, Justin Herbert, who set almost every single rookie passing record and is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, probably a top 10 quarterback, and now Tua sucks. And every single problem for the Dolphins rests on Tua's shoulders. Not how bad their defense has regressed this year, because their defense went from the number one takeaway team in the league last year to last and almost last in every single defensive category. Their O-line's not very good either. You drafted two tackles in 2020. Both of them have moved inside to guard, which is kind of an indictment on how bad they've kind of been. Austin Jackson has been pretty bad compared to where he was drafted. He was the 18th overall pick, left tackle from USC. He was the youngest tackle in the draft, if I'm not mistaken, and was supposed to be like a project piece. He was one of the most athletic tackles in the draft, and it hasn't worked out, to say the least, at all. (laughs) And Robert Hunt was from Louisiana Lafayette, I believe. Or just Lafayette. I don't know what they call themselves anymore. These Louisiana teams rotate their names all the time. But he's playing right guard now. Liam Eikenberg was drafted from Notre Dame. He's playing at left tackle this year. So they need to improve the O-line quite a bit. The weapons are fine. If Devontae Parker can stay healthy, they'll be fine. Gusecki, Jalen Waddell are awesome. Uh, Will Fuller's not probably coming back this year, one would imagine anyways. And the running game stinks. You can't honestly go out there with Miles Gaskin and go, you know what, we have a very, very solid running back core right now. With Miles Miles Gaskin, I think it's Patrick Laird are also there as well. Like, <laughs> what? what is uh, what is Tua need? What, is, what has he done to go, yeah, this guy sucks, major dick. Like, this dude's terrible. No. We said coming into this season, Tua had a very normal rookie season. It's just the fact that Burrow and Herbert were playing like super gods that it was like, oh, Tua stinks now. And he didn't end the season the best. He threw three interceptions against the backups Bills defense. So that didn't really help things either. But to me, I don't think there's a lot of things that Tua does necessarily wrong to a certain extent. I know he has the questionable interception every once in a while, but is he bad? No. Does Deshaun Watson come to the Dolphins and improve their offense? Yeah, because, I mean, Deshaun Watson's better. But are they a better team with Deshaun Watson? No, because their defense still sucks ass. <laughs> and they need to fix those without trading away three or four first-round draft picks, especially with the fact that, oh, 
he might go to jail. So that, that also helps things out a little bit. But going over the NFC North, I mean, we already talked about the Browns a little bit on Wednesday about Baker Mayfield and what he can do for the Browns moving forward. He's better than Tua. I mean, Baker Mayfield's not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but does when you look at the other quarterbacks that guy drafted with him, namely Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, is he close to them? No. He has a better roster than those two guys do, and he has the worst team. Now, there are things that I've coupled on with the Browns this season. They've battled injuries more than probably anyone this season, if we're being 100% honest here. Baker's played tough. He's a great leader. That's what we've given him credit for. We just think he's very limited in regards to what he can do in the passing game. I think they're helping him out quite a bit with having an insane running game and an insane offensive line because things that help a quarterback out a lot is a good running game and a pass-catching tight end. Those are two things that ease a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. And he has the best one-two punch in the NFL and he has two very good tight ends, or very good, two good tight ends in Austin Hooper and David Njoku, with, again, the best O-line in football. The Colts might have a say in that as well if they're 100% healthy, but they haven't been healthy pretty much the entire season. So the Browns are the number one team right now in regards to offense. Receivers, they're probably going to want to adjust those at some point, but with the, especially with the Odell thing, with him not even really being a part of the team at this point in time, I don't know what happens to him. He might get released from what it sounds like. I don't know what the hell is doing on there. But that's probably the only one. I mean, Ben's just old. There's really nothing to say about that one. They're going to draft a quarterback. That's pretty much it. Ben, in his prime, when we're not having any of these conversations, Ben's just freaking old now. So that's his problem. The AFC South, the Texans, I like Davis Mills. I like Tyrod Taylor. Are both them franchise guys? Who knows? In the last mock draft we did, we had them drafting Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher from Michigan. Because their defense stinks. And like we've talked about before, Davis Mills, though he hasn't played great, has been the second best rookie quarterback this season behind Mac Jones in New England. And I think that's pretty obvious. Both Trevor Lawrence, just, well, all of them, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson have all thrown quite a bit of interceptions this season. So you'd have to look at Davis Mills, who's just getting the shit kicked out of him. Like Justin Fields. Looked amazing on Sunday without Matt Nagy there, which, oh, I wonder why that could be a thing, why he looked so good. And I'm sorry, Bears fans, but Matt Nagy is supposed to be back. He has cleared COVID protocol, so he looks like he's going to be back on the sidelines, unfortunately. Oh, man, I can't. Man, I love Justin Fields. I want him to have a good head coach. I like Justin Fields a lot. That, that Clemson game is one of the greatest football games you'll ever watch. Clemson-Ohio State, it wasn't a close game. But for what the circumstances was, for how much Clemson shit-talked their way through that game with Dabo Sweeney saying they weren't even like a top-10 team at the time, and then they shit-stomp him with Justin Fields snapping his ribs, like, that's one of the greatest games you'll ever watch. But Davis Mills has been fine. Though he's been very it's been very hard for them to move the ball. They just traded away Mark Ingram, who's been the main source of movement in this offense. They got Brandon Cooks there who will probably get cut and probably go somewhere else because they didn't get it traded. So he'll probably go somewhere else. I don't think they'd keep him for that long, even though he's very, very talented. Yeah, uh, I I don't know what they do, really. I don't know if Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's never playing a down for that team ever again. So I don't know what's going on with Houston. But would you compare, would 
I think they like Davis Mills. Weirdly enough, I think they like Davis Mills. He's very inexperienced. He had like 13 starts coming into his NFL career. So he's very inexperienced. I think they like him. Tyrod's a good guy to learn from. Tyrod's supposed to be back this week. So we'll see if he actually plays. But yeah, and then the other teams in the division, not really. I don't think they have any quarterback. The only one you could really talk about is the Colts. But I like Carson Wentz is not amazing, but he's fine. I don't think they have really a quarterback issue there. AFC West, Broncos, I mean, we've that's not really hard to talk about. you got Teddy Bridgewater and <laughs> Drew Locke as your quarterbacks. Obviously, you're going to have a quarterback struggle this offseason. Whether you draft one or trade for a free agent, trade, trade for a veteran or sign a free agent, they ain't going into next season starting with these two at quarterback. I refuse to believe that. I could be completely wrong, but that is ludicrous if they'd actually do that. Going down to the NFC, the Eagles, I guess, that – Jalen Hurts is not the issue down there, but with we've talked about this about a hundred times here, especially on Friday, last Friday when we did the mock draft. They don't seem to have a whole lot of faith in tie and tied into Jalen Hurts, at least from what it looks like. Because you look at what they've done this offseason to get rid of possibly getting or possibly getting rid of Jalen Hurts or possibly upgrading on Jalen Hurts, try to trade for Zach Wilson, traded for signed Joe Flacco. Then you had the whole quarterback controversy of they're not going to name a starter until right before the season starts. Then you trade for Gardner Minshew. And then you signed the greatest high school quarterback of all time, Reed Sinnott. So, like, there's a lot of things that they've tried to do. So in the last mock draft, we had him taking Malik Willis. I don't think, I mean, there's two things that they'll do, I think. One of them's draft a quarterback. The other one, I think they'll trade for Deshaun Watson. Those are the two things I think will happen. If that's... I don't think, though I really like Jalen Hurts, I think he's extremely competitive. I like that he has a never-say-die attitude. I love that about him, but from what I can tell, from what the Eagles are trying to do, or at least what it looks like they're trying to do, they're getting Deshaun or they're drafting a quarterback. That's just what I'm looking for. From an outsider's perspective, because again, I have no sources, that's what I think they're going to do. That's what I think. The Washington football team, obviously, they're going to draft a quarterback. They're not going to go into next season with Tyneke or Fitzpatrick. They're not going to do that. I like both of them, but they're they're going to upgrade a quarterback. NFC North, I mean, nothing really there. I mean, the Packers, Rodgers or Love. If they trade Rodgers, then it's Love. If they don't, it's Rodgers. Uh, Lions, Jared Goff, I guess, to a certain extent, could be on the quote-unquote hot seat. I don't think Jared Goff is as bad as everybody says he is. Like, the, the narrative of Jared Goff is like he's a bottom three quarterback, which he's not that. He's just not amazing. Did he deserve the contract he got in Los Angeles? No. Did he deserve to get scapegoated like he did leaving Los Angeles? Hell no. Like, dude's gone to a Super Bowl. I know he wasn't, he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. I think he's got very nice arm talent. I think he can place the ball all over the field, which is very underrated for him. For It doesn't get talked about Jared Goff. I think it gets more blasted on social media than anything, than any quarterback in the NFL. But the Lions stink. We knew this going into the season. I don't think that they'll go after a quarterback this offseason, mainly because of the fact the GM they have was a part of the scouting unit that scouted Jared Goff in Los Angeles. So I think they would stick with him at least for one more year. But who knows? Who really knows? I think he's got like two more years on his contract after this year. I could be wrong about that. I'm not 100% confident. NFC South? Uh, 
Falcons, Matt Ryan's on a one-year deal, or at least he's, he's on a two-year deal. He's going to have to be a one-year, one year left on his contract after this year, so maybe look at that. At least to draft a quarterback, maybe later, not first round for the Falcons. Probably not anyways, depending on who's available for when they pick, I guess. And then the Panthers, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's went to Clemson, Carolina. I don't know. <laughs> they, don't, they don't necessarily have the pick. If we're talking about a team with picks, the Eagles are the most likely team to give up a shitload of picks. They have three top 10 picks as we sit here right now. So, or three top 15 picks. I guess I'm not 100% sure top 10, but I know for a fact they got three top 15 picks. And Sam Darnold is not, he's not it. He's not it. It turns out this offense kind of sucks dick without Christian McCaffrey, which we kind of knew going into this season. But with Sam Darnold, you were kind of expecting that leap that this dude's going to be very good again, or again, he's going to be good. He's going to be the quarterback that we thought he was going to be when we drafted him third overall. We're speaking from the Jets' perspective right there. And it just hasn't worked. He's been killed this year. We saw him get brutally murdered against the Falcons last week. So we'll see if P.J. Walker starts. I think P.J.'s really talented. I mean, when the XFL was a thing, he was easily, like easily the best quarterback in the XFL. Bar none. Like not even close. And he played for under Matt Rule at t- at Temple. So he's got the relationship there. We'll see how he does if he does start. But he can't be much more bang average than Sam Darnold's been. Or some would say below average than Sam Darnold's been. I don't know who they play, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And the NFC West, they're all fine. They've all got their quarterback situation sorted out. I mean, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, Rams, Jared Goff, 49ers. If it's not Jimmy G, they got Trey Lance backing him up. And then Seahawks, Russell Wilson's there. I know he's hurt right now, but he's there. But yeah, those are your quarterback situations, at least the ones that I would think are the most like, I guess if we had like, quote unquote, mystery teams that would be challenging for a new quarterback, Colts, I guess would be a mystery team, because again, Carson Wentz has been good, or not, he's been pretty good. Not what we, not MVP Wentz that we saw a few years ago before he tore his ACL, but I, I, I'm trying to defend Carson Wentz, I, I don't really know what I can say about Carson Wentz. He's been frustrating at times this year because you know how talented he is, but I don't really think there was. There's a competition there, but if there was, that'd be one. The Lions and Vikings, I guess, could be there too because at least I... So let me explain the Vikings thing. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins should be replaced. I think Kirk Cousins gets way too overly hated. We talked about this during the preseason that Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are the most overly overly hated quarterbacks in the entire NFL. Don't understand why they get hated as much as they do at all. The only thing we've said about Derek Carr is that he's not elite, which I don't think is <laughs> that far off. <laughs> but Kirk Cousins is not bad. I I hate that he gets thrown that under there. But they have Kellen Mond too. Uh, the Giants, I guess. I doubt that because they have Daniel Jones still there. Dave Gettleman's got connection with Dave with Daniel Jones, drafted him, got the Manning connection. I doubt they'll move on from him. Saints, I, I guess. I'm just trying to think of teams that could be dark horses. They're not really. I don't think any of those teams will move on from their quarterbacks. But if we had to choose, quote-unquote, dark horses, because there's always teams like that, I think those would probably be the teams you're looking at. But this weekend, like we said, Thursday Night Football, we got the Colts and Jets. Mike White versus Carson Wentz. Should be a very fun one, especially with the game the Jets are coming off of. That should be fun. Well, Colts are favored by 10. It's at home. Colts are one and three at home this year, which <laughs> coming off a dominating win, or not dominating, but a good win against the Bengals, that's a tough look for the Jets. But you have to remember, they're still the Jets. They could have caught lightning in a bottle once. Because if you look at the other quarterbacks that have had very good like games in their first few starts, like Kevin Cobb is up there as well. So like 
let's hold off a little bit on crowning Mike White the next savior of the New York Jets. Now, he could totally be. Could totally be the next savior of the Jets. But let's hold off on that. Let's just hold off a little bit. Uh, Sunday, we got Bills-Jaguars. Bills are favored by 14 and a half. The second straight game, they're favored by 14 or more. They're favored by that against the Dolphins. Beat them down. If they don't beat the Jaguars by 14 and a half, I'll be disappointed. They beat a Texans team that beat the Jaguars like two weeks before, 40 to nothing. So, or three weeks before, because I guess they played the Jaguars. Who the Texans play? Jaguars? Jaguars, Browns, Panthers, then Bills. So, three weeks. So, because that was uh, Davis Mills' second start. If they don't obliterate the Jaguars, I'll be upset. <laughs> let's just, let's keep it like that. I've been to a Bills-Jaguars game. I don't like the Jacksonville Jaguars, mostly because of the whole Jalen Ramsey situation, but 90% of that defense that just talked loads of shit and couldn't back it up is gone. So, I guess we can kind of like them a little bit, but the Bills should obliterate the Jaguars on Sunday. Then we got the Chargers-Eagles. Should be a pretty fun game. I'm actually excited for that one. Chargers are favoring that one by one and a half. Herbert versus Jalen Hurts. Hurts is leading the Eagles in rushing this season. Which isn't too surprising because Miles Sanders has done little to nothing this season. And I think their number one running back tended to gain well. So I, nothing's really been going for the Eagles in regards to the run game except for Jalen Hurts. Now we got browns Bengals battle all the Ohio teams. Uh, if you told me before the season started that the Bengals at this point in time would have a better record than the Browns, I would have called you freaking crazy. Like, this makes no sense, but that's the that's the reality we live in at this point in time. Then we got the Broncos. Cowboys ain't watching that one for a second. Dolphins versus Texans ain't watching that one either. Good Lord. These are two teams that won week one and have lost seven straight. Like, I ain't not touching this game. I ain't touching it with a 10-foot pole. Oh, my God. Unless I just want to watch Tyrod win, but if, I don't even know he's starting yet. Then we got the Falcons, Saints, Raiders, Giants, Patriots, Panthers, Vikings, Ravens should be decently fun. Then Packers, Chiefs, we'll get to that one in a little bit. Cardinals, Niners, and then Titans and Rams is Sunday Night Football. And then Monday Night is Bears and Steelers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not playing. Uh, I don't know if he got COVID or broke COVID protocol, but he's not playing. So this is the first time we'll see Jordan Love playing in an actual game, and I couldn't think of a better game for him to start against Daniel Sorensen and the worst defense in the NFL. Like, this is a perfect game to start. I don't know if, like, Devontae, Alan Lazard, and all those guys will be back, but you got Aaron Jones back there. You got Robert Tanyan. You should be eased into this. Mike LaFleur or Matt, again, don't care. They, they should be, he should be smart enough to ease you into that and give the ball to Aaron Jones. At least that's what I would expect. Aaron Jones is a great running back. Okay, great running back. So I would lean on him in this game because the Chiefs all around just suck ass. Let's just put it like that. They just suck ass on defense, and they blow cock just in general. Let's just put it like that. They they just suck ass. I don't think anybody in their right mind actually likes the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they were kind of just forced that because, like, living in Iowa, going to William Penn, hanging out with a lot of Chiefs fans, the self-entitled – now, this is not really coming from my friends – Okay, this is talking about people I don't care about. <laughs> about the self-entitlement where you've been good for three years and then now you're the kings of the world. You were ass after the Super Bowl you won. You were ass after that. What did you do? Nate, Dawson to Mahomes. What was your greatest quarterback in there? Elvis Grebach? <laughs> Grebach? Like what? Trent Green? Matt Castle? Joe Montana? I mean, he got to the AFC Championship game. Fair. But old injured Joe Montana is probably the best quarterback you had from Dawson to Mahomes. 
Unless there's someone like Todd Blackledge. Like, what? This is the team that thinks they're hot shit. They've been good for three years. <laughs> they were the laughingstock in the playoffs for 20 years. They never won a home playoff game. And then now it is, oh, we're the best team in the NFL. And Mahomes is trying to ad-lib too much. And he's getting so cocky that it's like, I can make all these throws. And now it's starting to get found out a little more. And I like watching Patrick Mahomes. He's a fun quarterback to watch. But I love watching this Chiefs team this year. I love it. Absolutely loved it. Loved watching them get ass-pounded by the Bills and the Titans in back-to-back weeks. That was beautiful. Watching them struggle to beat the New York Giants was awesome to watch. This is a Giants team, okay, that got beat by, what, 14 points to the Denver Broncos. What? (laughs) The Broncos suck ass, and this team lost you by three at Arrowhead. Like, (laughs) I love it. It's one of my favorite things ever. I love that the Chiefs are kind of ass right now. Comparatively, I, I I am thriving right now. Being from the state of Iowa, being... Just being from Iowa, dealing with a lot of Chiefs fans, having a lot of friends from Missouri that went to William Penn with, I love it. Now, there were a few cool Missouri people that didn't like the Kansas City Chiefs, which I adore those guys, but they're closer to St. Louis, so we kind of hate those guys as well. But, but uh, yeah, screw the Chiefs. I'm loving this season. This is one of my favorite NFL seasons ever because of how bad the Chiefs are. It, it is enjoyable to watch. It, I, I ah, Chef kiss is all over the place. Now, if we're talking about chef kisses all over the place, oh my goodness, get ready for this matchup. Iowa versus Northwestern. What an elite matchup we got on our hands this Saturday at 6. When I was a kid, I hated Iowa playing Northwestern because no matter how good it seemed Iowa was or how good it seemed Northwestern was, this was a game Northwestern usually always showed up for and Iowa usually always slept walk through like this was a game that I hated watching this was a game a team that knocked Iowa pretty much out of the con- the BCS championship game back in 2009 but again it's because Stancy broke his ankle so or had a high ankle sprain I should say so that's why remember we if Sean Clifford played against Iowa Iowa would have lost the game remember that and if Shane spent Stancy Ricky Stancy to get hurt Iowa wins the national championship it's just facts I mean you can't deny it what you can't deny that. He got hurt against Northwestern. James Vandenberg threw five interceptions against Ohio State and took him to overtime in the horseshoe. And Stansy couldn't beat them? Yeah, right. <laughs> we like to have fun here, but I hate playing Northwestern. I was favored by 12. Good freaking Lord. I know Northwestern sucks major dick this year, but man, I, this game scares me <laughs> still. They have lost, but they have been dominated every single loss apart from the loss to Duke. To the Duke Blue Devils. That is the only game that they've lost under double digits. Yeah, under double digits. They got blown up by Michigan State, blown up by Nebraska, blown up by Michigan, and blown up by Minnesota. And now they play Iowa. In the Fortress in Evanston, Illinois. Not Chicago, Evanston, Illinois. I remember, like, two years ago. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. I just started thinking about this, talking about Evanston. They released uniforms, the basketball team, with the Chicago skyline on their stomachs or something. Like, Evanston's like a half hour, 40 minutes away from Chicago. What? That's like Ames throwing the Des Moines skyline. Like, if Iowa State basketball was like, yeah, you know what? We're going to throw the Des Moines skyline on our uniforms this game. Why? 
because you can see Des Moines? What? <laughs> like, that's the only thing. You can see Chicago because they got such massive buildings from Evanston, but you're not close to it. So you're not, you're not Chicago. Like, the only Chicago university I could think of is DePaul, and I had two cousins that graduated from DePaul. They're from Chicago. Now, I got other cousins that are from Naperville, but they don't say they're from Chicago. They say they're from Naperville like a bunch of normal people. Like, that's like the thing. Like, oh, I'm from Chicago. You're not. You're from a half hour away. Like, I could say I'm from Des Moines. I can drive five minutes and get in Des Moines. <laughs> I could leave my house right now and get in Des Moines. I was born in Des Moines. I was raised for the first about seven years of my life in Des Moines. Now I live about five minutes away from Des Moines. I could probably walk to Hoover High School if I wanted to. So, like, <laughs> I, I could say it. Chicago people and Naperville and Evanston people can not. But, yeah, this game sucks. I hate this game. Iowa's coming off the two of the most atrocious Iowa football games I've ever seen in my entire life. The game against Wisconsin is one of the worst offensive performances I've ever watched post-Jake Christensen. Like, you don't think things can get worse than losing to Western Michigan on senior day, but it does. It can. When you get obliterated by Purdue and Wisconsin in back-to-back weeks and look so inept on offense, it's ridiculous and heart-aching. That it, it pains me to say that. That Iowa is stooping to Jake Christensen levels and somehow are six and two at this point. Somehow, 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 somehow they scored 27 points against Iowa State. I don't understand how they score 51 against Maryland. Well, I'll tell you why the Maryland thing. Because they intercepted like 18 passes, so they had to drive 20 yards each drive they had. But man, oh man, this game sucks. Six o'clock night game for this one. This screams 11 o'clock kickoff on Big Ten Network. Why is this game at 6 o'clock? This is a typical 11 a.m. Big Ten Network football game. This one. Why is this at prime time? Ain't nobody watching it. This is how little people watch. On ESPN's website, it doesn't, like, you know when you scroll past games on ESPN's website and it'll tell you all the channels are on? It doesn't even say a channel. Is this game even going to be televised? Like, what the hell is this game? What channel will this game be played on? I think they're having a battle for, like, all these big-time cable deals because no one wants to show this game. Like, even BYU versus Idaho State says it's on ESPN3. Iowa versus Northwestern doesn't say anything. (laughs) Because actually, who is what? Who the hell is going to watch this game? <laughs> I would love, uh, well, I am, but <laughs> other than me, obviously, I'm doing it for podcast reasons, not for joy enjoyment. Oh, man, this game, I hate this game so much. I loathe this game. And then they play Minnesota the week after. I'm not ready for that game either. I said during the bye, I was going to screw up at some point. And I didn't think it'd come back-to-back weeks, but I did say I was scared of Wisconsin, scared of <laughs> Nebraska, and Northwestern always scares me. So, yeah, I'm nervous for this one. Then we got Missouri-Georgia, which, I mean, Georgia's favored by almost 40 points. Yeah, Missouri got blown up by Tennessee. I don't think Georgia will have a lot of problems with them, but 40 points is a lot of points to cover. Ohio State's playing Nebraska. That could be kind of fun. Wake Forest versus North Carolina. I was So, funny about this one, I was watching... What game was it? It was Western. I can't remember which one it was exactly. It was Western Michigan versus Central Michigan or Northern Illinois versus Kent State. I don't remember which game it was because we had Maction on last night. And they were going to the games this weekend. Look at these ACC games. And look at this one. Non-conference matchup, Wake Forest versus North Carolina. Last time I checked, for the like, I, I could be, my math could be wrong here because I'm just thinking about it. 20 years or so, they've both been in the ACC. 
I don't think this is a non-conference match. I could be wrong. Maybe overnight they switched conferences. I, I could be wrong. But these two teams have been the ACC forever. That I could think. As long as I have known, these two teams have been the ACC. But that'll be fun. I mean, North Carolina's 4-4. Four and four. They're favored by 2.5 against the ninth-ranked Demon Deacons. This will be more of a statement game for than anything for the Demon Deacons because your fate, your underdogs against a team that's 500 and has gotten blown out a couple times this season look bad most of it. So, yeah, this could be a nice look at us. Now, a lot of people won't really look at that like that because it's 4-4 four and four North Carolina, but your underdogs against a 500 team, they'll use it as motivation. And I want to talk about the game that this game next that I'm looking at right now. I'm going to talk about that last. Then we got Illinois-Minnesota, Pitt-Duke. I think Pitt should have a very nice bounce back week this week against Duke. Michigan State-Purdue could be a lot of fun. Tulsa-Cincy, which is college game day, which is a weird... Why that game? Out of all the games Cincinnati's played, why the hell that game for game day? Navy-Notre Dame, which will be... It's always a fun game to watch Navy-Notre Dame. I was supposed to go to that a few years ago, but my mom went to it instead and completely killed my vibe. I... Man, I was so excited. I loved watching Navy football growing up, and then my mom went instead, so I couldn't go. Uh, Oklahoma State versus West Virginia. Baylor TCU. Auburn versus AM. Could be very fun. We already talked about Idaho State versus BYU. Like, there might not be no line, but at least you can watch it somewhere, unlike Iowa Northwestern. Then we got Wisconsin Rutgers. Mississippi State versus Arkansas. NC State, Florida State. LSU, Alabama. Tennessee, Kentucky. Boise State, Fresno State. Oregon, Washington, Indiana, Michigan, and San Diego State, Hawaii. There's a lot of top 25 games this week. I think every single team might be playing this week. I could be wrong. But the team, the game I didn't mention because I wanted to come back to it is easily the game I'm most excited for this weekend. And I'm happy it's in the morning because I could start my day with this. Liberty against Ole Miss. The number one and two quarterbacks in the 2022 draft class are playing each other. Liberty, if you've never watched them, are extremely fun to watch. This is on SEC Network. I don't know what channel that is on exactly, but Liberty is a fun team to watch. I've watched them a few times this year. I watched them last year as well. They just play on these weird networks all the time. You can't get ACC Network anywhere, and they're usually on ESPN Plus or ESPN3 if they're not on ACC Network, even though they're not in the ACC, but they play a lot of ACC teams. But this is supposed to be one of those SEC bye week games. Liberty's damn good. They got a really good defense apart, like even apart from Malik Willis. They've got a very nice defense. And Ole Miss's defense this season has sucked, to say the least. They are a bad defense. And Liberty could exploit that. Could. Now, this is a team that's a lot better than they played this season. I think the next closest team to Ole Miss this season that they played is Syracuse. And they lost that game. Now, that was a very tough game in a carrier dome that just got renovated and it was at night which is a tough place to play at night, which is weird to say because Syracuse is not necessarily known as a football powerhouse, but it is a tough place to play. But this game will be tougher. It is in the morning, so maybe it won't be as tough or scary, but this is the... that If I was gamed, I would go to that game. That's the game I would go to. Liberty Ole Miss. That game's going to be freaking awesome. If you're not doing anything Saturday morning, watch that game. Liberty Ole Miss. Please, I just beg you, watch that game. Because if you haven't read any of my blog posts at all this year, all I ask is that you watch Liberty versus Ole Miss. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about with these two quarterbacks. Now they're both going to suck ass. They're going to probably go on the run all day. But that was well in the Liberty's hand. Well, actually, both teams run the ball very well, so it would help out both teams. But that's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Other games that you could possibly 
care about this week against Kansas. Kansas State could be kind of fun. SMU Memphis, if you want to just watch all offense, that'll be fun. That's on ESPN at 11, so don't, I actually don't watch that game because remember I said watch Liberty versus Ole Miss, which is also at 11. Uh, Georgia Tech-Miami could be a decently fun game. Tyler Van Dyke had a very nice game against Pitt the week before. Now they're going up against a Georgia Tech team that's been kind of up and down this season. So it could be that could be a pretty fun game. Miami is favored by 10.5. It's at Miami. 10.5 is a lot of points for that game. Uh, Cal-Arizona could actually be kind of fun. Cal's a very fun team to watch. They Their record is a little unfortunate to them. We talked about that when they played Oregon, about how they're really close to being an actually decent football team. But the fact that they've just played a lot of really close games and lost all of those close games kind of screwed them. Uh, what other games do we got on here? What other games we got on the docket? Uh, Penn State, Maryland, I, I guess. <laughs> it could be kind of fun. We're struggling for games here. Tulane versus UCF. Oh, I can't wait for that one. That's going to be an awesome one. Any other ones that we got? Come on, guys. you got to help me out. Oh, Clemson, Louisville. That could be kind of fun. <laughs> I, I don't know. Texas, Iowa State. Is this weekend? So that'd be for 6.30 on FS1. That would be fun to go to, even as a neutral, because I think 90% of the population anyways, like not just in the state of Iowa, but just in the United States, could give two shits about Texas. If you want to watch the pet, and I mean this in the nicest way ever, okay? This is not a diss at all. Iowa State fans are the pettiest fans in sports. Football, basketball, whatever. Petty. And that's a good thing, because they... We'll be throwing horns down the entire freaking game. I remember a few years ago, and you'll know this if you're from the state of Iowa, but a few years ago, they played Oklahoma State in basketball. This is when Marcus Smart was playing there. Marcus Smart kind of built up this reputation for flopping. The in- When they announced him in the starting line, the entire crowd flopped backwards. That's what we're talking about here. This is going to be a game where we will see... 65,000, well, about, no, uh, 50,000 horns down, because there's going to be some Texas fans that go there, obviously. And you better get ready to see a lot of flags for unsportsmanlike conduct, because we're probably going to see those a lot this game. Brees Hall's a picture of him doing horns down on Google. You can find that picture. So, like, we're going to get some we're gonna get some personal foul penalties in this game, and I'm excited for that. It actually will be a fun game. Nevada versus San Jose State. Watch Carson Strong. That's on FS2, but it's a stupid... 9 o'clock kickoff because it's a, a Mountain West game, so you always got these weird 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock kickoffs. But, hey, if you're not doing anything at 9 o'clock, which that's the time that, like, all the main cards for, like, UFC and boxing start, so I'm assuming not a lot of people are going to be watching that because we've got, like, the Pride of William Penn, Kamaru Usman fighting on Saturday, a few other fights that are big in that card as well, and then Canelo Alvarez is trying to unify his belts and beat Caleb Plant on Saturday as well, so I don't think a lot of people will be tuning in for these later games. But I don't know. If you do, that's a game you should probably watch as well. USC Arizona State could be kind of fun. Uh, Drake London's out, so we'll see how USC can handle their offense because they're very like there's one dimensional, and then there's one dimensional when you only go to one person, and that's exactly what USC does. Not only are they one dimensional, they go to only Drake London. That's the only thing they ever do. Only thing they do. I, I don't think they do anything else that exciting apart from throwing to him. And then the final game I want to talk about here is you and I, they're taking on Illinois State at Saturday at noon. This is at Illinois State. This is an Illinois State team that has been pretty bad this year. They're one of the bottom teams in the Missouri Valley Conference this year. They're 1-4 in, in conference play this year. They're coming off, oh, would you guess it, <laughs> losing four of their last five games because all of those have been conference games. Now, 
to their credit, four of those games have been against top 25 teams. They beat one of them. They beat South Dakota at South Dakota. They were number 15 at the time. And that's a South Dakota team that ran train on UNI a few weeks ago. But again, like we talked about, UNI kind of shot themselves in the foot 90% of the time during that game because they gave the ball to South Dakota within their own yards or within their own like 15-yard line three times in the first half. But they got blown out against North Dakota State, blown against Missouri State, blown out against Southern Illinois, lost a close one last week to Western Illinois, which is a game they should probably win. Western Illinois, I know they're not as bad as they usually are, but you should always beat Western Illinois. At Illinois State, one thing that shouldn't surprise you all, I mean, <laughs> if you follow Missouri Valley football at all, they've never been that great of a passing team. They're one of the worst. No, they are the worst passing team in the Missouri Valley. I almost said one of the. They're the worst pass team in the Missouri Valley Conference when it comes to offense. They're one of the better teams in the conference when it comes to pass defense, which is good to know. But they're bad against the run on defense. And they run the ball usually better than what they have this year. They're seventh in the conference in rushing this year. Yeah, you and I really shouldn't have any issues this game. I'd be pretty surprised they did, especially with the two weeks they've had recently against South Dakota State and Southern Illinois. I'm expecting them to do well. And then they play a tough game against Missouri State and then a tougher game than usual. Last game of the year, it's Western Illinois. But you and I really shouldn't have any issues against Illinois State. At least I would hope they don't have any real issues against Illinois State this Saturday. And yeah, that's what we got for you for the most part. But I want to touch on this real quick because this is something that has dominated my house for quite a little bit now. It's the Jack Eichel trade. So it finally happened. I think we talked about this last Wednesday. So not this past show, last Wednesday show, but the weekend, before, the week before that in October, we talked about the Sabres are kind of priced themselves out of a Jack Eichel trade. And I'm not saying they got, it's hard to say what they really got. They didn't win the trade. Let's just say that. It's hard to say win or lost trades, especially when you give up one player for two players plus a few draft picks. But from what they were talked about getting from like Anaheim and Calgary, which were what it sounds like the Calgary thing, that doesn't seem as real as what it originally sounded like. But it's hard to say they won. <laughs> I don't know. They got D- Alex Tuck is a nice player. Okay. I'm not going to say anything bad about Alex Tuck. They got Peyton Krebs as well, and they got two conditional picks as well. And I've heard the first round pick they got is a protected top 10 pick. So you know what? The In the end, you can go like this. You can look at this from two ways. The Knights got the best player involved. Jack Eichel, if he goes back to form, the Knights have one of the best centers in all the NHL. Like, Jack Eichel is freaking awesome. And you've got a very good team. I know they're struggling right now. We've talked about that before, but it's Vegas. They'll figure it out towards the end of the season. I know they're seventh in the Pacific Division right now. They've got a few injuries on their roster. They'll be fine, and I hate saying this, but they'll be fine. And now they got Jack Eichel. You reunite Jack Eichel with a former Sabre teammate in Robin Leonard, who also wanted to leave Buffalo, but for worse reasons than Jack Eichel. I don't know. I don't know. Would it be worse reasons? His was all mental reasons. Like, they were just basically destroying his will to live, and that Jack Eichel just, they wouldn't let him get surgery. So I guess you could do both, but Jack is expected to get surgery now, which is always good to see. But the Sabres are just a freaking mess. Like, we talked about the Blackhawks being a mess, and it's a completely different mess than what the Blackhawks are dealing with, but the Sabres are a freaking joke. I know that the Sabres are fine this year. I know they're fine. I know they've been decent this year. They have 11 points. They've lost three games this year. They've won five, had overtime points as well in nine games. They're fine. They're 4-1 at home. All fine and dandy. This team pisses me off. 
Uh, you have all these great players that you just traded away. Jack Eichel, now gone. Sam Reinhart, gone. Rista, or Rista Linen, Rasmus Ristolainen, gone. Robin Leonard, gone. Linus Allmark, now he's gone. He, I think he's in Boston now. Like, what? You, you killed Ryan O'Reilly. Now he's the freaking captain of the Blues and was a Conn Smythe winner when they won the Stanley Cup. Like, that. You have all these great players, they just can't figure it out. I don't, like the Pagulas, the owners, they're the owners of the Bills and Sabres. They have done awesome with the Bills, but the thing they've done with the Bills versus the Sabres, they figured out to let the GM and the head coach control the football stuff. The Pagulas have their hands all over the Sabres, which I think is the main issue on why they're struggling so much. So a lot of Buffalo people are getting concerned because it looks like the Pagulas only care about the Bills. On one half, they look really good because the Bills are really good. On the other half, they're very frustrating because the Sabres are one of the laughing stocks in the NHL. Like Owen Power, who just got drafted first overall, is the second player since like 2006 to not go to his team and instead went back to college. Now he is expected to still join the Sabres, so that's fine and dandy, but he's the second player in this de- in this 20 years that has done this. Because he didn't want to play for the Sabres this year. And it's not saying, like, the Sabres have decent players right now, but they just can't figure out the GM, and they can't figure out the coach to save their freaking lives. Ralph Kruger was a freaking joke. That did not work out whatsoever. But they've got, I I wish, (sighs) Sam Reinhart is the one that I expected Eichel to get traded. I liked Sam Reinhart a lot. He was second overall pick. He was supposed to be once Jack Eichel left. But, I mean, this was before Reinhardt got traded, because I think he was the first player out of those three that we mentioned, Aristolainen, Eichel, and uh, Reinhardt that got traded. Or was it Risto that got traded first? I can't remember, but he was going to be this, he was, like, projected captain of the next the Sabres team. And then he gets traded. But then once he got traded, or R- Risto got traded, it was like, okay, yeah, when's Eichel going to get traded? And then you kept hearing the, oh, the, the Sabres keep demanding all of this. Like, well, no one's going to pay that, obviously. So they got shot way low than what they were expecting to get. What they wanted is got what they got versus what they wanted are not equal whatsoever. But Alex Tuck, Syracuse guy, I mean that's a half hour away from Buffalo, but maybe an hour. But New York guy. So yeah. I I like Alex Tuck. I'm trying to is I like Alex Tuck. So we'll be fine with that. First round pick, predicted top ten pick from what it sounds like. And from what I read. I could be wrong about this, could be wrong, because I thought I read this on Twitter this morning, is that the Knights are taking all of his salary, which is positive, so maybe that works, but like, look at the Sabres roster, you got Dylan Cousins, who I really like, he's personally my favorite player on the Buffalo Sabres, Rasmus Dahlin, very nice, he was supposed to be this uh, transformative defenseman, but then you get Ralph Kruger and kind of screws everything up, but imagining a line of Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power at six foot six. Owen Power, Rasmus Dahlin, six foot three. That is an intimidating defensive line right there. But the goalkeeper situation or goaltender situation is still kind of up in the air. Their goalies are both above 30 years old. Craig Anderson's 40. Dustin Tokoski is 32. Neither one of them are that great. I don't know. I don't know. They'll, 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 hopefully. They figured they got some beautiful uniforms as well. We didn't even mention Jeff Skinner. I know he kind of went down a little bit. Kind of went down. That's a light way to put it, but that's Ralph Kruger being a, you know an asshat. So 
yeah, Vinny Henestrosa, nice player there. Lost Jake McCabe to the Blackhawks like we talked about before. Um, who else they really got on this team that's worth talking about? Tage Thompson's all right. Calic Pozo's an alternate captain again, just because he's older. Um, Henry Yokiharu is another one there as well. But yeah, that there, there, it's kind of like a few years ago, we did a baseball preview, like at the beginning of the season. Remember a few years ago when the Mariners were really good for like four games? Remember that? And then like putting up an insane numbers. And we were like, yeah, this this is not gonna be sustainable. This is this team is not very good. <laughs> this is just a flash in the pan. That's kind of what the Sabres are this year, but they look a lot happier. I'll give them credit. They do look a lot happier than what they did at any point during last year. And I wish Eichel nothing but the best. I love Jack Eichel. I know his relationship with the fans from from fans side of things wasn't great. Eichel himself never said anything bad about Buffalo, never said anything bad about the fans. But the fans didn't. There were some fans in Buffalo that didn't like Eichel. It was really a one-way disliking. But I always liked Jack Eichel. I, if they win the draft lottery that year, they get Connor McDavid. So does the Buff, does the Buffalo Sabres trajectory different if they get McDavid versus Eichel? Maybe. But I mean, the Oilers haven't been that amazing since McDavid's been there, mostly because they're inept as well. Even though they've got themselves like Leon Draftsidel there as well, they still can't make the playoffs. So I don't know. I remember my dad and I were very, we were watching very intently that lottery, <laughs> that lottery, because it was between Eichel and McDavid, and we all, everybody knew McDavid was going number one, but it was like, okay, the Bills got, or the Bills, the Sabres got Eichel, I'll take Eichel, and it kind of started off a little slow, and then he went like freaking supernova, and unsurprisingly, he was given the captaincy, and they got stripped of the captaincy because how dare he want surgery, and now he's gone, which I'm not surprised about whatsoever, I wish him nothing but luck in Vegas, Robin Leonard, wish him nothing luck either as well. Uh, screw the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't like them anyways. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I, re- I I enjoyed today's show. I thought this show went very, very well. Better than usual, I would say. So yeah, I think that's all we got for you today. I will see you all, hopefully. I'm not going to make any promises. And I hope <laughs> I figured out. If you listen to this part, you either know that I did the stupid intro like we did last show because I can't figure out GarageBand too, uh, too well. And iMovie's not working. Yes, we were. We edit these episodes on, on iMovie. So I, I don't know how to... I, this is just me being stupid. I just don't know how to fade audio on GarageBand. It's a very stupid reason to not do, to not do it, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. It wasn't the Rock the House thing that everybody's used to, and I miss the Rock the House by the Gorillaz. It's one of my favorite albums, one of my favorite songs, my favorite band out there. So, yeah, hopefully it's all better this episode. But with that being said, I'll see you all later. Make sure you go and follow me on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, go like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and go follow me on the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts that you're already listening to it there anyways. Might as well make sure you're subscribed and go give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. That. With that, I will see you all finally later. Have a great weekend. Let's watch some good football this weekend. <laughs> I can't wait. Make sure you tune into that Iowa vs. Northwestern game. <laughs> and I will... See you later. Peace.